shocking claims. You know, I sometimes think that we don't really understand the reality and the truth of what Jesus claimed to do and be. You know, we've known all of, a lot of this stuff for such a long time that we just don't really give it the attention that it deserves. We don't really give it the, 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 the reverence, the, the mysticism that, that really is involved here. You know, Jesus made lots of claims and, and he followed through on all of those claims. We, we have it written down historically and, and we can read it. It's, it's right here before us and that it all boils down to kind of what Bob alluded to in the end. Um, where is our faith? Where is our level of belief? Really, where is it? Because we say, I want to go deeper, I want to believe more, I want to have more faith. But what those things take is actually being put deeper. You know, we get in the water to our ankles and we're like, whoa, 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 that's enough, that's enough. I don't want any more. It's, it's cold, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it is. And it's what we need. For the first time in many years, an old man traveled from his rural town to the city to attend a movie. And uh, after buying his ticket, he stopped at the concession stand and... Uh, to purchase some popcorn, handing the attendant $10, he couldn't help but make this comment. You know, the last time I came to the movies, popcorn was 15 cents. Well, sir, the attendant, the attendant replied with a grin, you're really going to enjoy yourself. We have sound now. <laughs> you know, there are things that we leave behind that are good things to leave behind, and there we can find more in enjoyment. Gone are the days of silent movies. I, I would hate to, well, I kind of do, a lot of movies are kind of silent for me these days, as hard of hearing as I am. Uh, you got to have those, whatever they call it. Thank you, captions under there. Those are very helpful. So you don't really, you know, watch a movie, you read a movie, which you should just read the book first, right? Anyway, I mean, wow, that was. So the question this morning that I want to ask you that we asked last week is, do you need to leave something behind? Do you need to leave something behind? Um, we, were, we were challenged last week to follow Jesus, period. No turning back, no turning back. I don't have, care how hard it gets. I don't care what my circumstances are. I'm, I'm not going to turn back. Uh, last week, I asked two questions. The second question was, where do you need to say yes to God? And I hope that you didn't just leave the building or turn the video off last week and just not think about that anymore. I hope that that has, has been going around in your head and in your head. Um, where do I need to say yes to God? Um, the first question was this, what do you need to leave behind? Do you, do you need to leave behind a habit, a habit that's destructive in your life? Do you need to leave behind a boyfriend or a girlfriend who is toxic in the relationship that you're in? Maybe you need to leave behind dreams that you had for the future because you're just trying to cram these round pegs into a square hole and it just won't go. And maybe God has something different for you and you need to give that up. Uh, it seems that, that God... Um, maybe wants us to forget the past. What, what is it that you need to leave behind today? Our shocking claim of Jesus today is anything is, is, is possible for me. Anything is possible for Jesus. 
Now, I know you're thinking, well, that's not too shocking. I mean, he was God. But if you were alive in that day, in that moment, in that time, what would you think? Would that be shocking to you that Jesus claimed to be able to do whatever he wanted to? We're going we're gonna to talk about that this morning. You know, we, we heard from Jason last week. He did a great job of sharing his story. We're going to hear from someone at the end of today's service as well sharing their story. And, and, and we see in our own life and other people's lives how our lives drastically change because of Jesus. He does the impossible in our own lives. We just have to stop and consider what he's done. We've seen people physically healed. We, we've seen people surrender their life to Jesus after running and running and running and running. And I talked to somebody this morning who, who said, I, I've been sharing with this person and you know, they're, they're a part of another religion and I don't think they'll ever change their mind. We should never ever think that, ever. Where's our belief? Where is our faith that, that God can do the impossible? Because he can. He can do the impossible. There are people we know who have lived selfishly and God has changed their heart. People who have received salvation. Reconciliation with a perfect and righteous God. The greatest miracle to ever take place in your heart and in mine. And, and every one of those people I think would admit... And, and I would hope that you would agree, too, that if you are a follower of Jesus, that, that you have faith, that you, uh, that you anchor your life to the truth that nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible for God, that anything is possible for Jesus Christ. And I wonder, who needs to hear this today? Uh, who is in here today who, who has lost hope? Maybe you need hope this morning. Maybe you think you've reached your end. You, you don't see your marriage changing and you've given up. You don't see your son or daughter changing and you've given up. You don't see your health changing or your financial situation. And, and you just flat don't see your circumstances changing. My prayer for you today is that, that through this message and what we read in his word, that God would infuse you with faith, that he would infuse you with belief, belief that anything can change. And I think that includes our faith and our trust and our hope in our almighty God, even when our circumstance doesn't change, because that changes things. It really does, because nothing is impossible with God. Now, there's a preacher out there. His name is Lou Giglio. And at the beginning of one of his sermons, he tells this story. And you know, sometimes a pastor will tell a story and you kind of you turn your head a little bit and you're a little bit skeptical and you think, really? Did that really happen? Or did he just make that up? Well, Lou Giglio tells one of those stories and it only takes a little bit of research on Google to find out that the facts of the story that he told were absolutely true. And, and I want to share that with you here this morning. During World War II, there was a Japanese soldier by the name of Hiro Onada. He was born in 1922 and at the age of 18, he enlisted in the Japanese army and in 19. 44, as the world was engaged in war, Onada was sent by his commanding officer to the Lubang Islands in the Philippines. And, and he was told by his commanding officer that under no circumstances 
were you to ever commit suicide or were you ever to surrender to the enemy unless you were told to do so by your commanding officer. Now, um, he said, we will come back for you, is what he was told. Uh, it might be a year, it might be three years, but we're going to come for you. And so he, he joined some other resistance forces on, on that island, and they began to do what they could to mess up uh, and uh, attack the enemy. All of the Japanese soldiers that were on that island died except three. Onado, uh, Onada and two of his friends. And they hid out in the hills and they began hiding. And in October of 1945, they found some leaflets that were dropped by a plane. And these, um, these leaflets said that the war is over and you need to surrender. But Onada and his buddies looked at them, they looked at them, and they concluded that they were just propaganda, they didn't believe them, and they continued to fight. Uh, uh, let's see, I want to stick with this and get it right. Later that month, more leaflets were dropped by a plane. And, and these leaflets were signed by the general of the Japanese army. And they studied those and they looked at them closely and they determined those two were not genuine. They were fake. They were propaganda. In 1952, leaflets containing pictures of Onada and his family were dropped with others that proclaimed that the war was over. Please come out of the hills. But Onada didn't come down. Instead, he and his companions continued to attack local police in guerrilla warfare. And during one of those attacks, two of his companions were killed. And so now it's just Onada on this island by himself. This is 1952 that this happened. Now, fast forward to 1972. The war had been over for 70 or for 27 years, and Onada still refused to believe that it was over. He didn't think it was possible. And in 1974, a Japanese college student and Explorer had heard about Onada. So he thought, I'm going to go find him. I'm going to track him down. I'm going to get to know him. I'm going to get to know his story and, and see what happens from there. So he went to the Philippines. He finds where Onada is hiding out. This is 1974. He finds him. And Onada says, I will surrender when my commanding officer tells me to do so. So... Um, this college student goes back to Japan. He finds the commanding officer who is working at a bookstore. And he says, you need to come with me. And we need to go to the Philippines. Uh, they both traveled to the Philippines. And Onada's commanding officer tells him that it's okay. He can now surrender. 29 years after the war ended, Onada finally surrendered. Doesn't seem real, does it? How, how could you not believe? See, 2,200 years or so ago, on a hill just outside of Jerusalem, on a cross, the war ended. 
the war ended. But how many of us are living that way? How many of us are living like we have victory in Jesus every day? Like he can do the impossible in our life. Like we just need to trust him. We need to have belief that he can do this. Leaflets are coming down from heaven, but we're just not sure. We have letters from historians. We have accounts of Jesus' death and his subsequent resurrection and life, but we just, we just don't believe it. We aren't sure if those promises in the Bible are really for us, so we're still living our lives as if the war hasn't ended. We're living in unbelief. Onada stayed in hiding because of his unbelief. He wouldn't believe that the war was over. He didn't think it was true. He didn't think it was possible. So he wasted 29 years of his life in the hills of the Philippines. We don't have to do that. We, you don't have to waste another day of unbelief in Jesus Christ, who is who he said he was. You can believe today. And you can join the team that is experiencing the fact that the war is over. I, I want to review some truths with us here this morning. Our first point in our notes this morning is that in Christ we are. In Christ we are free from sin. When you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you are free from sin. Romans 6.18 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. What a gift. No, no longer bondage to sin. We, don't, we, we no longer just sin because that's who we are. That's, that's our nature. We have been set free from that. We don't have to follow that anymore. We can say yes to obedience to God. In Christ, we're also free from shame. As scripture says, Romans 10, 11, anyone who believes in him, Jesus, will never be put to shame. Do you live your life that way every day? When somebody shames you, when somebody ridicules you, when somebody seeks to put you down and discourage you, do you, do you look at what they say and say, you know what, um, the Bible tells me, Jesus says, and, and I've put, I believe in him. He, you can't put me to shame. I, you know, I, okay, there, there are times when we do shameful things. And, and we should confess those things. But remember that when we do, we are restored. We are made righteous. The enemy tries and tries to discourage us with our failures and our shortcomings. That's not what Jesus does. That's not what God does. In Christ, those who believe will never be put to shame. Shame is a weapon of the enemy. You've probably wielded shame against someone else before. It's a weapon. It's a bad weapon. You see, in Christ, we're free from condemnation. But do we really believe this? Or do we get caught with unbelief now and then? Uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore... Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You have been set free. Trip up, fall on your face, make a mistake. Absolutely, we do that. But we don't, we don't, we can sit there with our face to the ground and feel 
ashamed and condemned for that, but that's not what Jesus does. When we repent of that and when we ask him to forgive us, Jesus raises, puts his hand under our chin and raises our head and says, look, there, there is no condemnation here. You are forgiven, child. You are loved. When we believe in Jesus, we are no longer condemned to death. We have life. We have eternal life. Peace and joy, grace and mercy are ours. The war has been won. It is over. See, Jesus has won a great victory so that our chains can be broken. In Christ, our chains are broken. In Acts chapter 16, verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the, prisons, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I already mentioned us being free from sin. Here we have an actual situation where they were literally freed from their chains. Something impossible to happen, but it happened. There was a time when, when uh, one of the disciples was in, in prison and they prayed, the, the believers were in the house and they were praying and praying and praying that he would be freed. And then it was like, you know, he, he, he thought he was having this vision or something. It was, he thought it was a dream and, and he ends up outside the prison and he's just walking around and, and, you know, I don't know if he pinched himself or whatever, but he realizes it's real and he's not in prison anymore. And he goes to the house where the believers are praying and he knocks on the door and, uh, and somebody opens the door and sees his face and shuts it and runs away. Correct me if I'm wrong. It was Peter, Right. She runs and she says, hey, Peter's at the door. And they're like, no, he's not. He's in prison. Right? What were they praying for? Where was their belief? Shouldn't they have said, hallelujah, God answered our prayer and let him in? But instead, they lacked faith. But, but even in their lack of faith, God answered their prayer. Didn't he? And he was set free. Where is our belief? Do we believe that God can break whatever chains it is you're experiencing? Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's trouble with anger. Maybe it's trouble with lack of respect. Maybe it's, you know, what, whatever chains the enemy has sought to put around you and destroy your life with, you don't have to wear those. Just surrender them. Admit that there's something wrong here. And that something wrong here just might be me. And what am I going to do about this? You see, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan wields the weapons of bondage and condemnation and shame to kill and destroy us. We have life. We have life. It's right there. And, and when we are in Christ, nothing can separate us from God's love. Oh, the enemy wants to convince us that, that he doesn't love us and that he doesn't, he's not really there for us and, and uh, he doesn't really care. But Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced, Paul says, someone who experienced unbelievable circumstances in his life, 
I think Paul was one of those, well, Paul was, he was one of those guys that people said, ah, he would never believe in Jesus. Right? Even after Paul believed, he had a little tough time kind of having conversations with people who were of the way because they didn't trust him. They thought maybe he was lying so that he could find out that they were Christians and that he could throw them in jail and in prison. They struggled to believe that Paul, Paul experienced shipwrecks, hunger, prison, all of it. Yet Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not other people, not our circumstances, not the pain in life, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. <laughs> nothing. And in Christ, our suffering is nothing compared to what awaits us in heaven. I, we, we make a statement every day that I'm not sure we really believe. We say, man, life is just going right before my eyes. I didn't realize how fast life was going to go. We say that all the time, but we don't really, we don't really live that way. We say that as if, and, and, and we'll say that, you know, when we're observing our children or, you know, they, they go to kindergarten. Wow, I didn't see this coming. They graduate from high school. Holy smokes, where did the last 18 years go? Time goes like this. Yet when we're in a hard, difficult time, we think in our heads, this is going to be forever. It's not. Even if it's the rest of your life, it's not forever. Eternity is a really long time. And, and those who are in Christ Jesus are going to be with our Creator. Suffering is nothing compared to heaven. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And when a doctor says, I need to cut you open. But there's going to be lots of pain. There's going to be lots of recovery. But in order to heal you, in order to fix you, it's what we have to do. We can deny that that's good for us and we can go on and live our life and probably die a lot earlier than if we surrender to the doctor's wisdom and endure and go through the pain that's involved in, in surgery. And, and we need to recognize that, that that's, God does surgery on our lives. Some of you, you feel broken, but God hasn't broken you enough yet. Because you have yet to completely surrender in faith and belief to what it is he's trying to do in your life. And, and what is the greatest and most ultimate healing that we can ever receive? It's forgiveness of sin, right? We have to remember that one. God works all things for the good of those who love him. And finally, at least in my list this morning, because there's many, many other great promises of God. In Christ, we have resurrection power available to us. We have the same power in us and available to us that, that resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead. We have resurrection power. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus 
and your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power that Paul was praying that we would have in us and that we would know it better, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Are you tapping into that power? When life is tough, are, are you denying that the war is over or are you in belief living for Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? We need to remember these truths. We need to remember these things when we face hard times. Freedom, no shame, no condemnation, healing, broken chains, God's surrounding love, uh, surrounding us with his love always, the hope of heaven and resurrection power available today, now, this moment, and all moments going forward. As we live our lives and we base them on the truth of God's word, and we see more and more of his power and actions throughout history, we also need to remember every day that the war is over. Jesus has won. Some of us aren't living that way today. I want to speak this morning to those who feel defeated. You, you came to church and you're, you're just worn out. You're discouraged. You're frustrated. You're, you're living in fear and doubt. Um, you're hiding, maybe. Maybe you're struggling to believe. And I want us all to turn to Mark chapter 9. Because as we do this shocking claims of Jesus series, we're working our way through the book of Mark. Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to begin reading in 17, but leading up to, to verse 17 of Mark chapter 9, Jesus notices there's this argument going on between his disciples and the religious leaders. So Jesus goes over to them and says, hey, what are you guys arguing about? And that's where we pick it up in verse 17 of Mark chapter 9. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And then Jesus replies in verse 19, You unbelieving generation... How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Does that not sound like holy irritation? I mean, it's almost like Jesus is saying, for crying out loud, are you kidding me? Haven't you guys figured this out yet? When will you get it? So they bring the boy to him, and the boy's dad says this. Look at verse 22. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. 
if I'm standing next to somebody that makes that statement, I'm moving. Because I just kind of feel like lightning is going to come down right there. Have you, I mean, seriously, he used the word if. Jesus, if you can do anything, I wish that you would. There are three words. You could write these down. Three words that we should never, ever say to Jesus, and it's if you can. Because he always can. He always has the power. Look at the evidence. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus heals a blind man and feeds 4,000 people with merely seven loaves of bread. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus heals a deaf man. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus walks on water, and then there's this raging storm, and he says, be calm. Oh, wouldn't you love to have power like that in Wyoming? Just, you could tell the wind, stop, and it would. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried to move a mountain with prayer? I mean, I have. Didn't work. So did I lack faith? No, I'm, I'm pretty sure God wanted that mountain right there. I think that's probably the ultimate thing. He walks on water and calms the storm. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus raises a dead girl back to life. And in Mark chapter 2, Jesus healed a paralyzed man. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He told him to get up and grab his mat, and he forgave his sins. But it seems that as human beings, we still wonder, don't we? Can he, is it, can he really do that? Could he really do that? If you can, the Father says. We, we still doubt why. Why do we do this? Why? We think, God, can, can God really do anything about my situation? And, and I think our actions bear that out because we try and we try and we try and we try all in our own strength to fix our situation, to fix our situation. That, that's our initial response. We just work and work and work and work harder for that. But, I mean, how much more does God have to do before we will believe him? Why does doubt always seem to be our default? Because, I mean, I have seen God do so many things in so many people's lives. Yet I can still find myself wondering if he can or, or if he even would. That's, that's unbelief. That's unbelief. Look at what Jesus says to the boy's father. Verse 23. I, and, and, it, and it has a question mark after it. If you can, said Jesus. Maybe it has happened as you've heard me talk this morning. You've, you've thought to yourself, yes, yes, Jesus can move in, in, in power in my life and get this ship righted. But then there's this little voice that sits on your shoulder that says, but, but, but wait, there's too much history here. There's too much hurt. There's too much hardship um, he, he really, he really probably can't do that. Uh, maybe you've, you've brought this to him before over and over and over and over and, and nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. That's, that's unbelief. You're resigning yourself to the lie that it's impossible for God to change your situation. 
If you're in the midst of a really hard thing, I want you to take some time this week. I, I, take out a piece of paper, uh, and I want you to list ways that God has been faithful to you through the history of your life. Just start by last week, last month, the month before that. It's amazing to me what we can see that God has done in our life when we'll take a moment and take time to look and see where he has moved in our life. Thank him for his faithfulness to you. Thank him for his love and continue to trust him for that thing, whatever it is. Addiction, anger, a a fractured relationship, whatever that is. And then what Jesus, because what Jesus said next is what we need to hang our hats on this morning. Um, This is where we need to anchor our life in the midst of hard things. Jesus in the in uh, the second half of verse 23. First of all, he says, if, if, if you can. And Jesus says, sir, sir, nothing is impossible for one who believes. He doesn't say some things. He doesn't say most things. Jesus says everything. That is a shocking claim to me. Jesus also doesn't say that anything is possible if you just work hard enough. If you just put in the effort. We live in such a sports-infused culture that that stuff bleeds over into our lives. I mean, we teach our kids that sometimes, right? You just got to work hard enough. If you work hard enough, you can get on that starting nine or whatever it is, 11 or five, six. You just got to work hard enough. And, And to a degree, that is true. We do... We do need to work. We have responsibility, but, but we need to recognize that it's not our work that makes everything possible. It's Jesus himself. He's the one with the power. See, belief is what all of this hinges on, isn't it? But belief in what? Many times that's myself. It's belief in Jesus. Now now to him, Ephesians 3.20 says, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Did you hear that? Immeasurably more than all we ask or can even imagine. Anything is, is possible with Jesus. Belief, no matter what is happening in your life right now, that God is in control. So do you believe? I mean, do you really? Do you believe the lyrics of that song that you sang? God, take me deep. Help me stand on the water. Do what you need to do that my faith would not have any borders on it, that I would just trust you completely. A pastor I listened to this week said this. He said, we miss out on 100% of the miracles that we don't believe are possible. Still wrestling with that a little bit. But, but the, God's word says you don't have because you don't ask. Are, you, are we asking? What, so what was the father's response to Jesus when Jesus said everything is possible for one who believes? Look at verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, followed by, help me overcome my unbelief. 
He had belief, and yet he asked Jesus to help him with his unbelief. So many times we can find ourselves there, can't we? I believe, but there's that but thing again that I mentioned last week. Let's make that our prayer, the prayer of this father. I believe, but I I know there's unbelief here too. Help me, help me believe, help me trust, help me follow. That, That doubt, it creeps in. Messages we hear on a daily basis can lead us down the road of doubt. We need to admit that yes, it is true. We can't, I can't do this. I, maybe you've tried, maybe, maybe you've, you are even yet un, unwilling to admit that you might be the issue and that you might be the problem in this relationship or whatever is going on. Maybe that's where you're stuck. You need to admit, yes, it's true. You can't, but God can. Give him the control. Turn the reins over to him. Get out of the left seat and move into the right seat and, and let him be the pilot. What, what is in your life right now? Maybe, maybe it's your marriage. You think it's never going to change. Or maybe it's a boss. I just can't stand to be there another day. Maybe it's a college course. You don't think you can uh, finish it. Maybe it's a treatment for an illness. Maybe you're facing radiation or chemo and you don't think you can do it. I got a phone call from somebody this morning who lives in South Dakota who's now going through, uh, through radiation treatments. And she just asked us to pray for her that she, she could endure because the, the radiation, she said, is just so hard. I prayed with her that, that she would be able to have the strength to go through what the doctors say she needs to do to live. She has grandchildren. She has children. She wants to live longer. And she's surrendering herself to that. We need to surrender ourselves to the hard work, to the scalpel of the Holy Spirit, to the word of God that cuts deep, clear to the bone, so that we can grow. And and. Maybe you have your hands full at home with kids and finances and stress and pressure, and, and you're thinking to yourself, I just can't do that. And, and in the moment, that might be true because you're trying to do it on your own. Call on Jesus. Call out to Jesus because nothing is impossible for him. Nothing, nothing is impossible for God There is a litany of things that are impossible for us, but nothing is impossible for him. So after Jesus heals the boy, the disciples pull him aside and ask in verse 28, why couldn't we drive it out? Why weren't we able to cast out that spirit? And what was Jesus' reply? He said, this kind can come out only by prayer. Why do we always try everything in our own power instead of stopping and praying first? You see, prayer is not a last resort. Prayer is the first resort. We need to pray first. We can. We have the opportunity. We're asked to. Jesus says, bring your burdens to me. You see, we can do more than pray. We we. We can do more than pray after we've prayed, but we can't do more than pray until we have prayed. We need to start with prayer. We need to pray. This kind only comes out through prayer. What in your life has been stuck? Have you prayed? 
Have you prayed? Have you constantly brought it before God? The disciples must have tried and tried and tried to cast the spirit out. And I mean, the, the father's like, what's up, guys? Why aren't you doing this? You've done it for others. It seems maybe that the disciples forgot to pray. Because if they had, according to the words of Jesus, that spirit would have come out. There, that's why Jesus said, what, what else do I have to do for you? you know, trust me, trust in my power. But you have to call on that power. There is power in the name of Jesus, in Christ we have freedom. There is no shame. There is no condemnation. We find healing, broken chains. God's love surrounds us all day long. We have the hope of heaven and resurrection power. It's available to us right now. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, in the Holy Spirit. The war is over. Jesus has won. And finally, pray. Ask first. Ask first, where are you today? Do you believe? Or are you still hiding in the hills like Hiro Onada? Because you just can't believe that it would be true. Uh, Winona Galan's going to come up here right now and share her story. I assume she's here, yeah. Do you want to hold the microphone? Stand in front of it? Wherever it's at. Well, it's right here. Does that work? Do you need this? Yeah. I don't know if I'll look at my stuff, but I want to make sure I get to my point. Okay. So. so, hi guys. I'm Wynn. Um, I'm sure most of you know me, at least by face. I have been going here for nine years next month. Nine years ago, here soon, I got a phone call and my mom died. So I came out here with my husband at the time. I have two kids, James and Jade. James was two, and Jade was two months. And I told him I was staying. It's not something I could have done on my own. I knew it's what God wanted. And I asked my aunts. I don't know if Kathy's there. <laughs> my adoptive aunt was one of them. If they would help me. And I was looking for any sign that they didn't want to help me. I don't want to put too much on them. I feel like this is where I needed to be, and the hardest thing is to ask for help. But they, they just said yes. I think one of them may have asked me one question and then said yes. Um, we didn't have anything when we came out here. We thought we were coming for a funeral, seeing some family. That was probably going to send us homeless stuff because we had two little kids. So we packed even less. I literally had half a suitcase, a pack and play in car seats. I had no job. 
didn't know if I was going to have a home until my aunt took me in. Didn't know how we were going to make ends meet, but we just restarted. And it was here that I got baptized in the pool. And when Pastor Dave asked me if I had anything to say, all I said was, I am here. I am here was leaving everything behind with children. And it all worked out. I now have three kids. I also have Tommy. I have a wonderful husband. I mean, now I have a job. I am at Valley, and I love it. And I wouldn't have taken the first step without God. I couldn't have done it. Um, so I wanted to say that through all things with God, or through God, all things are possible. And my favorite verse that I feel like applies to my life the most is do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's Joshua 1.9. And I think I did get to my point, and I didn't need all of my things that I brought. Amen. Let's give Wynn a hand. Thank you. The worship team would come up here for our last song. Uh, you know, we never know what hangs in the balance of one decision, do we? It, it, again, it was a, I want to go to church. We'll take you to church. You never know what, you know, welcoming words to someone on a Sunday morning or, hey, how are you? I'm so-and-so. It's, it's great that you're here. Uh, we never know what words we can use where, where God puts us in the right place at the right time. And, and we just, it might be out of our comfort zone, that we, but we just take a step and we say, okay, Spirit, give me the power here. I know, I know every, anything is possible for you. Help me. Help me say hi. Help me introduce myself. Help me, whatever it is. We never know what hangs in the balance of one decision. Um, we all have an opportunity to be a part of people's stories. And people in this church are a part of Wynn's story. It's because of, of, of our prayers. It's because of our love for Jesus that, that anybody in, in our community, in our immediate circles of, of influence, come into contact with Jesus Christ. I mean, we, God wants to use us. Do you believe that he will? Because you better believe that he can because he absolutely can. Let's sing this last song. Um.